Hey girls! What's up? Welcome. Sit back. Relax. Let's get right in to episode one! And you're listening to Don't Quit, Do It by Today's Her Story. Hey everyone, and welcome to our first episode on our podcast, Don't Quit, Do It by Today's Her Story. We are so excited to share some amazing women and teens with you all. Yeah, so we have a fantastic person here today all the way from New Jersey to share her experiences, details about her organization, and some really cool pieces of advice. And she's really cool. She's been featured in the Oprah Magazine, Glamour Magazine, and she was on the Today Show. Head over to our blog after you finish this episode to see for yourself. She also released an Amazon number one new release book, but we'll let her speak for herself about the amazing success of her book, and she'll give you a sneak peek of the future. And for our first guest on our podcast, we warmly welcome Nicole Russell. Nicole Russell is the co-founder and executive director of the Precious Dreams Foundation. Hi, Nicole. We are so excited to have you here on our podcast today. So I've actually known Nicole for a few years now, and she's an amazing person. She does amazing work in the community and around the United States, actually. And she's been featured in Oprah Magazine, and she's done so many amazing things. Let's just let her talk about what she's done. Awesome. I'm really happy to be here. This is exciting. Nicole, thank you so much again for coming on our podcast. And so we were wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about how you started your foundation. Yeah, so I started the organization back in 2012. I initially just wanted to donate some comfort items to kids in foster care to help them sleep. I wanted to provide some pajamas and teddy bears, the essential items that I felt all kids need and deserve. And it initially started as a passion project. Let me just gather some friends and let's put some care packages together and donate them to an organization that can then execute and distribute these bags to the kids that needed them. But when I was doing some research, I saw that there weren't any organizations that focused solely on providing those type of therapeutic services and tools for bedtime. And so naturally, as someone who loves to start new projects, I said, well, let me figure out how to incorporate a nonprofit. And then, you know, we can just do this on a very small scale. And whenever my friends feel like getting together, we can put these items in a bag and then go make the drop-offs. And that's how it started. And then about six months in, I realized that this was going to be a much bigger project than I initially anticipated. And um, we started realizing that there was a huge demand to support youth in care. There's over 430,000 kids currently in the foster care system in the United States, and they are all in need of these basic essentials. And then we also started getting requests from homeless shelters where a lot of kids lose things along the way or their parents may not be in a position to prioritize things like teddy bears or books and journals when, you know, they're trying to just stay afloat and and get them the things that they need, those basic necessities. So we expanded our outreach within the first year. And before we knew it, we were partnering on a state level in New York with Department of Homeless Services and Administration of Children's Services, which serves all of the foster youth in the state. And I just kept on going. And now this is my full-time job. It is my life's work. It's where I find the most purpose. We are serving nationally. And it's not so much just a small project anymore. Now it's a huge nonprofit. Well, that is really, really amazing. Um, So could you tell us a bit more about like your background, I guess, 
like college, I guess, bef like before starting this foundation? So a lot of people don't know, but before I started Precious Dreams Foundation, I actually was a professional backup dancer. Um, I danced professionally for quite a few years and I feel like I've lived quite a few lives because I've had different careers um, since then. But when I was younger, I used to dance on MTV and um, I ended up signing to one of the top agencies, well, Clear, and then I eventually signed over with Block, which is uh, one of the top agencies in the, in the world. And I had the great opportunity of dancing for commercials and tours and just dancing back up and, and working alongside some of my favorite artists. I got to work with Neo and Mariah Carey. Um, and so that part of the journey was super, super cool. Most people don't know about that, but from dance um, and then ultimately going into hospitality, um, which then inspired me to start the nonprofit, I kind of took the relationships that I gained in all of those different careers and asked for help. You know, through dance, I was able to build relationships with a lot of different artists and entertainers. And um, that is why, like today, a lot of people will see some of my best friends, my closest friends are artists, uh, the singer Miguel and the singer Ro James and Amina Butterfly. They're, they're um, pretty well known for their music. They have been my best friends for over maybe like 12, 13 years now. So um, they have helped me a ton. When I first started Precious Dreams, Miguel was actually the first person to donate to the organization. And um, because of him and because of these relationships that I had, it really helped us take things to the next level. So, you know, even with everything that I did, whether it was related or not related to um, my current work, I took something from that to support what I'm doing now. So from dance, um, I ultimately got injured. I got something called chondromalacia of the patella in both knees. And the doctor told me that I would not be able to dance again. Um, that was a really scary time for me because I was so sure that I was supposed to do dance therapy. I was so sure that I was supposed to use my, my ability to to dance and use movement as therapy to help kids. And so when that was taken away, I really had to question everything and figure out, you know, what else am I good at? So I got into hospitality. I was, I was managing restaurants for quite a while. Um, at one point, I worked at Madison Square Garden. I actually worked there for seven years managing their VIP services, which was a ton of fun. I got to manage the courtside um, the court side ticket experience for both Knicks and Rangers ticket subscribers. Um, so I was rubbing elbows with everyone from like Spike Lee to Drake um, to Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, anyone that came to the garden to witness a, a, a Knicks game, I had the, the great opportunity of, of serving them and making sure that their experience was, was good. So 
that was cool. Um, but while I was doing all of that, I had also started Precious Dreams. And a part of me just felt so guilty being in that space, thinking about, you know, how privileged some of those people were and, you know, how they were offered so much through what money could buy. And yet I was going into the shelters at night and these kids were just happy to receive a comfort bag, you know, happy to receive their first pair of pajamas or their first book that was not a used donation. So um, yeah, it, it was. it became very clear to me that I needed to focus on Precious Dreams and grow that out. Um, regardless of any other career or, or financial stability that was being offered through other things, I, I knew and I, it became very clear at one point that um, my heart was telling me that Precious Dreams is what I needed to, to do. And, and it was my, my purpose. It was, it was where I needed to focus, despite all of the, the fun um, the fun things that I had done prior. So yeah, I walked away from some cool opportunities, but it didn't matter because now I really love what I do. That's really awesome. Um, So kind of moving back to your foundation, I wanted to ask, what was the difficult challenge you came across when you were first um, developing it or throughout its fruition? um, And how did you overcome it? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, You know, when you're doing anything for the first time, unless you have someone holding your hand and guiding you through the whole process, you're bound to make mistakes. And I had to learn everything. You know, when you start when you start a project, um, you're not initially thinking about all of the different things it takes to run a business. You're just thinking about what your mission statement is, right? So I initially wanted to provide care and comfort to kids in foster care. I didn't realize that I would have to also handle the marketing, the accounting, the donor relationships. Um, There's just so much that goes into running a nonprofit organization. And, um, you know, that is why building teams is important, as you ladies know, finding people that have those strengths where you have weaknesses so that they can support you and you can kind of avoid making some of those mistakes. So very early on, um, the first couple of years of being forced to grow rapidly was scary for me because, you know, there were things needed that I just didn't have in place. And for anyone thinking about starting a nonprofit, I would always say, get support, especially when it comes to filing for your 501c3. So the 501c3 is what allows you to be a tax-exempt organization, but the IRS, uh, they take their time with those. They're so overwhelmed with applications that sometimes it can take six months to a year. And I actually fill the application Um, out incorrectly and had no idea for six months. So I was waiting patiently, waiting to hear back from the IRS for this acceptance. Um, And then I receive a letter saying that it needed to be redone. So that really prevented us from receiving a lot of large donations in the beginning, because most people, no matter how big their heart is, they want to know if they're giving a generous contribution that they can write it off. And so I feel like we lost a lot of opportunities the first year because we did not have that 501c3 status. Starting any business is super hard. And I heard that you mentioned that you had a team of people behind you helping you make it happen. But what are some of the people that inspired you to keep going? That's a good question. My boyfriend actually asked me yesterday, like, who are your 
mentors now? Who are the people that you aspire to be like? And I think that I look at what everyone is doing and I find little things that I like about each. So I'll give the example of when um, I was preparing for my book launch. I did the research to see, you know, who are some of the authors that I look up to and what did they do for their initial book tour or how did they promote their book? And I just took little things from each person that I liked and then I figured out how I could do it better. So I'm always strategizing, you know, how can I do something innovative, but that is just as cool or better than what has been done prior. So I wouldn't say that there are specific people that I like aspire to be like, um, but there are people that I enjoy watching. There are people that I think are doing incredible work. And yeah, I think that they, they just inspire me in, in small ways. How long did it take you to write it? What was involved? What things did you need to do? And where can people buy your book? So the book is called Everything a Band-Aid Can't Fix. It's actually a book written for teens. It's a self-help book. It is all about healing and dealing with the everyday struggles of life. And it was inspired, I was inspired to write this book because of the teens that we work with at Precious Dreams Foundation. I learned about some of the difficulties that they face and the adversity that they're forced to overcome at a very young age without having that foundation of community or parents to support them in 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 coming out of these very, very difficult or sometimes traumatic experiences. And so I wanted to put together kind of like a, a handbook of all of the tools that you might need. If you lose someone, there's a chapter in there about grieving that will provide activities and different things that you can do to support yourself and learning how to self-comfort through that. And then, you know, there's things, there's a chapter in there. It's one of my favorite. It's called level 10 breakups and heartbreak. And like level 10 means when you are young, especially as a teenager, like Every emotion feels so extreme. And I feel like a lot of parents or adults try to belittle your experiences because they're like, oh, you'll be fine. You'll get over it. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but it really is. Your first heartbreak feels like the end of the world. Not feeling like you're being accepted by someone that you may like or have grown love for really hurts. So I wanted to just have this book that teens could use as a tool if in that moment they felt they didn't have anyone to turn to, they could just open up this book and it really just shows you how to look within um, and find the answers in yourself so that you can get past that. It took me five years to write the book. And that is because I didn't initially intend to write a book. I was just writing. So I would go to these different events, we'd have guest speakers and I would take notes and I would come home. And sometimes I had a lot on my, like a lot on my mind and I couldn't sleep just thinking about some of the stories and things that kids had been through. And so I would write about it more so for like my own therapy, but also because I never wanted to forget these, these moments and these conversations. And then I think two years in, I looked at this book, I had a 400 page book just full of stories. And I was like, what am I doing with this material? Like, I wish there was a way that I could get this to other kids. And I was like, you know what? How about I just write a book? So once I had the intention to write the book, then the process um, sped up a bit and it was easier. But another thing I'll tell you ladies, and it's, um, it's also aligned with the, it's aligned with the title of your podcast. So I have really bad ADHD. And 
anyone who has ADHD knows that it's really difficult completing tasks. You almost get like task anxiety. Like it's really easy to start things. It's really easy to multitask, but like finishing things is not easy. But once I built a team and I signed with a publishing company, they gave me deadlines. They stayed on top of me about things and I had to get it done. So it took five years, but I wouldn't change a thing if I went back and had to do it all over. It turned out to be, um, the, the piece of work that I'm most proud of. And where can people buy your book if they want to learn more? You can buy the book. Um, I have all of the links on my website, NicoleRussell.com, but you can also get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target. I also just convert it to an ebook, so anywhere that books are available, you can buy the book. Okay, so we've heard about your comfort drops. Um, what are they and how do they work? So the Comfort Drop is the program that we developed to support the youth that we work with at Precious Dreams Foundation. It was really important for me that we created something bigger than just going and delivering donations. So we do programming that empowers and inspires youth to learn how to self-comfort. And we do that through yoga and meditation workshops. We bring in guest speakers who can share relatable stories and they talk about things they've overcome and the ways that they did that, um, just to inspire new ideas and ways that kids can self-comfort or cope. And we also do, my favorite activity is actually the pillowcase decorating. And we do that with the younger kids, age six to 12. And we help them illustrate everything that makes them feel happy, makes them feel good, and makes them smile. And they put this on their pillowcase, and it's the last thing they see before they go to bed at night. So it just reminds them of all of their blessings and all of the reasons why they should feel happy, even if they're stressed or even if they're feeling really sad. So um, going off of this and what you've told us so far, where do you see yourself in a couple of years? So I just turned in the first draft of my second book. And I will tell you ladies for the first time, I haven't told anyone else this, but I am also releasing a journal that goes with everything a Band-Aid can't fix this September. So I'm super excited about that. And just continuing to grow the organization and continuing to support kids on a larger scale. Could Precious Dreams go global one day? I sure hope so. Uh, but for now, we're just trying to make sure that we develop chapters in as many cities as possible. So our next city that we're opening a Precious Dreams chapter in is Washington, DC. And then this fall, we're opening up a chapter in Houston, Texas. Well, your organization is amazing and how it has reached the national level. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got to go have a national level organization. How did you get to that point? You know, um, good press is the answer to that. We did not invest in a publicist. I just got really lucky. The first year that we started, a friend of mine entered me in this contest for Glamour Magazine. They were looking for an everyday hero of the year. And I had no idea that she submitted me for this contest. I didn't know anything about it until I received an email saying that I was the winner. And we hadn't even been in service for a full year. And I was receiving an award for being the hero of the year, which was 
crazy to me, but they gave us a $5,000 donation and a full page spread in Glamour Magazine and a commercial that aired on Investigation Discovery. So we were given so much exposure at the very beginning. Um, and because of that, a lot of people from around the world started emailing, asking how they can get involved. And the idea to start different chapters actually came from people who wanted to support us and they weren't able to get involved in New York. So it was never a goal of mine. It, there was just a demand there. And, you know, I realized that if we put together a proper training manual, then I could teach these people how to do what we're doing in New York and help us spread the love and comfort across the states. So, so yeah, everything from like being featured on the Today Show and Oprah Magazine, all of those amazing opportunities allowed us to get the exposure to get more support and really grow. Well, that is amazing that you're on Oprah Magazine um, and the Today Show. Um, so I guess through this whole experience, what's been your most memorable experience? I think I'm going to remember the times where hope was found. And when children told me that being involved in our program or receiving the comfort bag was something that changed their life. Um, there are kids that tell me now they still hold on to the journal that I gave them five years ago or um, that they remember something a guest speaker said three or four years ago that inspired them to go to college or consider it a, a career change. And those conversations where children express the hope that they found from Precious Dreams is really the thing that will stick with me forever. And it is the purpose why we do this. You know, we're doing this to inspire change and we're not going to change every child's life. But just knowing that you've made a difference in someone's life is enough. So that's the thing that I think I will never forget and I will hold on to forever, knowing that we've made a difference. Yeah, so one of the things that we strive to do here at Today's Her Story is to empower and to inspire teen girls. And so with that being said, if you could go back to your teenage self, what advice would you give to yourself? And with that, what advice do you have for teenage girls who are discerning their future? So those are two good questions. Going back to my teenage self, well, one thing I will tell you ladies about me is I have always been outspoken and not afraid to stand up for myself. So I've never really held my tongue when it came to like just asking for something that I wanted, but I did not ask a lot of questions about my family history or um, I didn't ask enough questions about things that I was curious about, even in terms of like college and career. I wish that I had used whatever platforms were available to reach out to people, even if it was strangers, and just ask a question that was on my mind. There are people that I have lost in my family that I wish I had asked questions to, you know, just to learn more about what their childhood was like and, you know, to learn about my ancestors. Those are things that, you know, if, if you don't ask those questions at some point, you might never have the opportunity to. So I was very curious, but I didn't ask enough questions. So I would tell myself to be bold enough to ask whatever is on my mind and not to wait until tomorrow. So my advice to everyone is just learn yourself. Figure out who you are. Figure out who you want to be. Figure out how you want to show up in the world. 
figure out what moves you, what wakes you up in the morning, what gets you excited, what makes you smile. We are all so unique. Everyone is born with their own unique skill and everyone has a unique purpose in this life. And I think sometimes we look to others for advice on what we should do. No one can really tell you what what is going to make you feel the most fulfilled. You know, you can see examples of, of options um, all, all around you within your community or online. But I think finding out what that fire is, that spark that is going to drive you to have a happy life, that is something that you only figure out when you learn who you are and you truly love yourself and you can answer your own life's calling. That's some really great advice that I think all of us can use, and I think just people in general can use. Um, so kind of in closing, I just wanted to ask, uh, where can people learn more about your organization, and how can they get involved if they want to help support it? So you can visit us on our website, preciousdreamsfoundation.org. Um, follow us on social um, help us advocate for the youth that we serve by sharing a post. Currently, because of COVID-19, because of the pandemic, we're not doing events. So there aren't any volunteer opportunities on site. However, there will be eventually. And we're always looking for virtual support. So if you have um, a skill that you'd like to donate to a nonprofit, you can do that too. It doesn't have to be just monetary support. Um, if you are a graphic designer and you want to help in some way, if you, if you find an organization online that you love and you think that you can help them um, better market their services, send them an email and say, you know, I want to give you an hour, two hours a week. That will make such a big difference. And a lot of people don't think about that. Even with writing, if you're a great um, copyright editor, nonprofits are always writing grants, applying for grants, sending out letters, letters of intent. They need editors. So you can um, donate an hour of your time to do some editing. I would say if anyone wants to just volunteer in their own unique way, never be afraid to just send an email and say, hey, this is what I do. And I've got a lot of time now because of the pandemic. So I'd like to give my time in this way. And, you know, that organization, especially my own, um, we might need it. So I would say just help us in any way that you can, but also think about whatever nonprofit that you feel passionate about. And as long as you're serving, like it doesn't matter if it's with my organization or any organization, if we're all working collectively to make this a better world, then that's what makes me happy. All of us agree that your story is very inspirational and it will touch any girl from any kind of background. I think this was a perfect way to start our Don't Quit, Do It podcast by having you as our first guest. So we would like to say thank you for giving us your time and telling us your story. Thank you so much, ladies. I had a really good time with you all. I'm looking forward to following the journey and tuning into the podcast. This is really beautiful. And I, I do believe that what you're doing and all of your own unique stories are going to inspire girls as well. Wait, don't leave yet. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for more in the future. Also, we're hosting a really awesome giveaway with Nicole, giving away one of her signed books. So head on over to our Instagram to enter that giveaway. See you later. Bye, guys. And you're listening to Don't Quit, Do It by Today's Her Story.